This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Charles Sykes is a writer who wrote a book called A Nation of Victims, The Decay of the American Character. He believes that in our culture today, he uses strong language that we're a, a nation of whiners and complainers. And we're a nation of blamers, that no matter what we do, no matter what we instigate in our own lives, it's somebody else's fault. And one of the classic examples he gives in his book, you will remember this event, because when I read the book, I instantly remembered the story from the news. A man was at a bar somewhere in the country, and he had a little too much to drink. He gets up on the bar and does a backflip onto the floor and seriously injured his back. And you know what he did? He filed suit against the bartender. It was his fault. His fault that he did the backflip and uh, injured his back, and the court awarded the man $5,000. We are a nation of whiners, complainers, and blamers. Now, whether or not that's true, I don't know, but I will tell you this. According to the passage of Scripture we study today in the book of Jeremiah, we are a nation of people who would rather follow the stubborn inclinations of our own heart than to follow the Lord. You say, well, that's a pretty arrogant statement to make, but I believe it's true, and it's right from the Word of God, where God looked at his own people. The kingdom, the southern kingdom called Judah, with its capital Jerusalem, that these were people who were so stubborn, they said, we don't care what the Lord says. We're going to do what we want to do. There are men in this room who've said that privately. There are women in this room in all three services who privately have acted out or said these words, I don't care what the Word says, I'm going to do what I want because I'm in charge of this thing called my life. Are you? Are you really? Well, let's read Jeremiah 18. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. I love that statement. This is the word that came to Jeremiah. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Underline that verse, if you will. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Four times in the next few verses, the word if is used. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation, I warn, repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, maybe like the United States, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. Now therefore say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says, look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, 
and reform your ways and your actions. But listen to this, one of the saddest verses of the Bible, verse 12. But they will reply, it's no use. No use. We will continue with our own plans. Each one of us will follow the stubbornness of his evil heart. Well, some Bible scholars say this is the most famous passage of the book of Jeremiah. I think they may be right. We'll continue tomorrow on CrossHope. That's CrossHope.org. One word, CrossHope.org. Well, it's not often that I tell people the scripture you're going to hear this week just may offend you, but I'm going to do it this week. This scripture that we study from Jeremiah 18 may be found offensive by people like you and me. It's about the Lord being the potter and us being the clay. If you understand that analogy at all from your study or participation in the act of pottery, you know exactly what I'm saying. The potter's in charge. The clay responds to the potter. Do you know why people resent this scripture that says the Lord is the potter and we are the clay? The same reason you and I resent this scripture. Because you see what this passage does, it blows away all the ideas of self-determination. And I'm in charge of my life and I do what I want to do and I make plans and I carry out the plans. And the Lord comes along through the prophet Jeremiah and says, no, you know what the lesson is? God's the potter and we're the clay. Do you know what that makes God? The one in charge. Do you know what that makes us? The people who follow or else. And that's why maybe you resent that slightly. Maybe there's part of you that rises up against us. I don't like that idea that God thinks of himself as the potter and I am the clay because if that illustration or analogy is true, That means that my life is in his hands. That means God's doing things in my life that I may not necessarily approve of. That may mean that God is in control. Let's do a little verse by verse with beginning in verse 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. I don't want to be presumptuous here. I've said this before, and I'll just say it very briefly. I like to think, not arrogantly, but very humbly, so that every Sunday there's a word that comes to somebody in this room. First service, second service, third service. That the word comes to somebody, not from me, but from the word of God. I don't think it's presumptuous to think that. Why? Because we're lifting up this book called the Bible, and we're lifting it up to people and proclaiming it as in delegated authority, not presumptive authority that it's in us, in some kind of intrinsic power or authority. I don't have anything. You don't need to pay attention to a thing I say, but I hope you listen to this book. It says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah. And then go to verse 2. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. Sometimes the Lord will send you somewhere or to someone to give you a message. He may send you to a hospital to get a word. He may send you to an unlikely person, an unlikely circumstance, and God will use people and he will use circumstances that you wouldn't plan on and speak to you. That's what he did with Jeremiah. He said, go to the potter's house, Jeremiah. I'm going to give you an object lesson. I'm going to give you an illustration of what's going on in our country called Judah. And I want you to notice in verse 4, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. 
So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. I have an announcement to make to you today. Everyone in this room is marred. You are and so am I, marred by sin, marred by your past, marred by something that happened 5, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and to this day you are marred, but I want to tell you that the potter can take marred clay and he can reuse it and refashion it and use it in a way. He can use the brokenness of your life. Well, what's interesting to me about this scripture is it's not only a beautiful passage, it's also an offensive passage. It's both. It offends, but it's beautiful. He's the potter, we're the clay. Crossover.org. For 30 years, I listened every Sunday on the radio to one preacher called Ben Hayden from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Virtually everywhere we lived, I just found out what station he was on and I listened to him. So three times during those 30 years, uh, we went down there and I visited with him on a couple of occasions. Just one time had breakfast, one time had lunch. And one weekend, he gave me six hours of his time, which to me was a big deal when I was a younger minister that he would be willing to do that. And I'm asking one question after another. I had nothing written down in front of me. And just out of the blue, I said, Ben, what's the most important quality for a minister to have? And without a moment's hesitation, he didn't blink. He said, brokenness. You realize how humbling that was to a young guy who thought he knew everything? To think you got the answers to everything and a minister looks you in the eye and said, the most important quality you can have, kid, is brokenness. To be broken before the Lord. For this reason, the Lord will do more with your brokenness than he will ever do with any skill set you have. The Lord will do more with your brokenness than any talents and abilities you have. The Lord will do more with your brokenness than anything you think makes you feel proud about yourself. The Lord works through brokenness. May I give an illustration of it that was an object lesson for me involving pottery, believe it or not? Years ago, Annie and I took a small group of people to Israel. I've only been there one time. And and we went there and... Everywhere we went, I don't even know why I started doing this, but on the first day we were there, I got down on my hands and knees in the dirt at some place in Israel, and I started running my hands in the dirt like this. And I found a piece of pottery, and I put it in my pocket. I found out it was legal to do that. The guide said, as long as you're not digging with a shovel and doing an archaeological dig, it's called a surface find. You can keep it. So everywhere I go, I, I filled my pockets with pieces of pottery. And I took these pieces of pottery, none of them matched. They were all different colors, different shapes, different styles on them. And I put them in a box. And I kept that box for years, not knowing anything about the pieces of pottery, nothing. Until I took the box one day to a professor of archaeology at the University of Cincinnati and at Cincinnati Christian University by the name of Dr. Reuben Bullard. I said, Dr. Bullard, does this make sense to you, any of this? He took out each piece of pottery and said, uh, Byzantine Empire, and gave me the year. Uh, This is from the Roman Empire. Uh, This is from the time of David. This is the oldest piece of pottery you have, Randy. It goes back to the time of David. And then he saw something that I thought was just a piece of pottery with a carving on it. He said, this is the tail of a bird that probably was an idol. I had all that in a box, didn't know what it was. But you see, the man who was the expert on the pottery could tell me what each piece was and what it meant when it was made, et cetera, et cetera. 
Where am I going with that? The Lord takes the broken pieces of your life and he knows. He knows where they come from. He knows your history. He knows your past. He knows your present and he knows your future. And the Lord can take the broken pieces of the pottery of your life and my life and he can reshape them as the potter into something that's meaningful and trust God to use your brokenness. You know, that's all you have to offer him is your brokenness. You don't come to the Lord and say, Lord, you're lucky to have me. I'm pretty talented. No. You say, Lord, I'm broken before you. I'm broken about my sin. I'm broken about my past. I'm broken about our circumstances. And God says, I'll do more with your brokenness than you would ever dream of doing with your wholeness or strength. I really believe that with all my heart. Well, what could happen in your life if you really believe that with all your heart, that God can do more with your brokenness than he'll ever do with your skill or power or strength? Crosshope.org. Well, I like to give credit to where credit is due. I believe the story I'm about to share with you is originally given by Chuck Swindoll in one of his books. I obviously want to recognize that as I begin a powerful story that relates to Jeremiah 18. God is the potter, we are the clay. Minister in San Diego was called into the sanctuary early one morning by the custodian. The custodian wanted him to see a strange offering on the communion table. Hanging on the communion table in that church was a pair of brown corduroy pants, a belt, a white t-shirt, a pair of tan suede boots, and a note. Bloodstains were on both the shirt and the note. The note consisted of three words. Please listen, God. Please listen. It was signed and included a phone number. The minister called the number. A 19-year-old young man answered the phone, and he told his story. He had run away from home, had been wandering in a wasteland of drugs, alcohol, drifting from one place to another, getting into all kinds of trouble, involved in all kinds of sordid behavior. The night before he was at the church, he'd hit bottom, and there'd been a fight and almost a fatal beating. After making sure the victim of his assault would be all right in the emergency room at a nearby hospital, the young man just wandered into the church, found an unlocked door, and went into the sanctuary. He told the minister he stayed all night crying and praying. He asked God to forgive him and show him the way to go. All at once, he said he felt the presence of God real to him. He said, I knew God was there, and I felt his forgiveness. A peace came over him. He walked out the door a new person filled with hope and a new life, a new direction, still going to have to face the problems that he had done legally and face the law and the consequences of his actions. Now, I know what some people would say. Hey, that kid was probably high or drunk when he came into the church. Yeah, he probably was. He might have been high or drunk when he was praying to the Lord. Yeah, he probably was. But the Lord heard him. And you may be in a mental state that you don't feel good about right now, and the Lord can hear you in whatever state you're in, whatever state of sobriety you're in or not in, and the Lord can hear your prayer, and he responds to the brokenness of a man or woman of any age in any situation. I want to bring up the saddest verse real quick, the last verse 12, because this is the saddest verse in this passage. But the people will reply, it's no use. We will continue with our own plans. Each of us will follow the stubbornness of his evil heart. I don't know if you caught all the symbolism in this passage as it relates to the United States of America. 
Did you hear the if statements? If people repent, I will relent, God says. If people don't repent, I'm going to continue the disaster I have planned for them. Does that resonate with anybody about the United States of America? It should. He says, if any kingdom, any nation disobeys me and flagrantly disobeys my word, I've got something for them in terms of judgment. And we don't like to hear that in our country today. Nobody likes that. That's offensive. Now, that offends me, people would say. And yet we don't worry about our offending the Lord by what we say and by what we do and by what we think. Well, before we close, a word about tomorrow's program. There are two hymns that I know of that are connected with Jeremiah 18. If you've ever heard the old hymn, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, Have Thine Own Way, that's taken from Jeremiah 18 about the Lord being the potter and we're the clay. A modern-day chorus is a, a chorus by Kenny Carter, Change My Heart, O God. We're going to close with that t- tomorrow, right after the program, with a young man by the name of James Ledbetter the music minister of the Lindenwald Baptist Church in Fairfield, Ohio. That's tomorrow on CrossHope. That's crosshope.org. God bless. John Powell was a professor of theology there. I've got several of John's books in my library. And when you go to Loyola, at least years ago, when you went to Loyola, even if you weren't a Catholic, even if you were an atheist, You still had to take a course in theology. And John Paul was one of the professors of theology. And so he had a young man named Tom who not only was an atheist, he bragged about the fact that he was an atheist. And he would tell people jokingly, I'm the atheist in residence at Loyola University, not a professor in residence, but or a scholar in residence. I'm the atheist in residence. And at the end of the course on theology, he did come up to John Paul and say, Professor Paul, do you ever think I'll find God? And that's an interesting question. And I thought John Powell gave a great answer. He says, no, Tom, I don't think you'll ever find him. I don't think you'll ever find him, but I'm sure that God will find you. I'm sure that God will find you. He left the class. John Powell wondered whatever happened to the guy. Never saw him for years. And then one day, John Powell said this man wandered into his office at Loyola. And said, do you remember me, one of your students, Tom? Of course I remember you, Tom. He told Professor Paul that he had a terminal illness. He said, I tried to find God. He said, and he used this expression, I beat bloody fists against the doors of heaven, but I still can't find God, couldn't find God. Had a terminal illness, and he said, when they told me the tumor was malignant and that I didn't have long to live, I, I, I just desperately wanted to find God, but no success until something happened. He said, I wanted to tell my dad before I died that I loved him. He said, I never told my dad I loved him. And so he said, I went home. And my dad had the paper up in front of him. Picture that scene. Dad sitting in a chair with the paper in front of him. And Tom said, I walked in and I said, Dad, I just came to tell you that I love you. And Tom said the paper fluttered to the ground. He just let go of it. He didn't put it down. He just let go of it and it fluttered to the floor. And he said, my dad did two things I never saw him do. Growing up, my dad started weeping, and he said, then my dad said, I love you too, Tom. And here's what Tom told John Powell. He said, I've been beating on the doors of heaven for God to respond, and nothing happened. But the minute I humbled myself and said, Dad, I love you, he said, I felt the presence of God. 
Maybe that's a word for somebody today. You think it's a matter of doing things for God and telling God to respond, and he just wants you to humble yourself in brokenness before him and come to him. And you know what? He responds because he does more with brokenness than he will ever do with your, your abilities or skills or talents. He's the potter. We're the clay. Don't ever forget that. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries Incorporated.